What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Houck, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Howe. Hey, what's up, everybody? No Mike Coyle today, just the two of us. It is Sunday, April 30th, which means the NFL Draft was completed yesterday, so we are doing our draft reaction show. I know there's a lot of people out there that do their Dynasty rookie drafts literally the Monday after the draft is completed. It seems to be a big thing in the Dynasty community. They don't wait really for training camps or anything to go on, injuries or anything to really sort out, kind of take your shot on the guys. So, you know, Our league waits a little bit longer, more to do with the fact that we all just can't coordinate a time to get together is our issue. But we are going to go through just kind of our draft reactions, go through some of the players that landed in some good spots, some not-so-good spots, some veterans that may have been effective, kind of our general reactions to the draft. Before we hop into that, though, there are two pieces of news that we do have to address. Wishing he'd come by and bring me some good news. The first one being that Aaron Rodgers was officially traded to the New York Jets. So the Packers get in return for the trade. They get the number 13 pick in this year's draft, the number 42 pick in this year's draft, and the number 207 pick in this year's draft, which is a six-round pick. So a first, a second this year, and then a sixth this year. They also get a conditional pick in 2024 that is a second-round pick that can become a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this season. The Jets do get the uh, 15th overall pick in return, so it's not really – they didn't give up a first-round pick. They swapped first-round picks this year, moved back two spots in the draft. They also gained a fifth-round pick, the number 170th pick. So they moved back from 13 to 15. They gain a fifth, lose a sixth, and they gave up a second this year and a second what'll, and what will probably turn into a first next year, essentially. So Rodgers is now officially a member of the New York Jets, as we've long suspected this offseason. They got the deal done on Monday, a few days before the draft happened. Rodgers reworked his contract. Here's an interesting thing just to throw out there. Do with it what you will. Ponder it during the course of the season. Rodgers reworked his contract to make this trade happen for the Jets because they were limited on cap space. So his, with his reworked contract... They, uh, $58.3 million of his option bonus was converted to a salary. So this season he counts as $1.165 million against the Jets' cap pit. That's pretty good. The problem is next year he counts for $107.5 million. Restructure. Against the cap. So something's going to need to be done with that. But that's just an interesting little nugget of to what's going on here. Obviously, like you said, they'll have to try to rework that contract. So hopefully the relationship doesn't sour during the course of the season. Otherwise, Rodgers could really stick it to them if he doesn't agree to a reworked contract. Just something to ponder. The other big news was that Lamar Jackson signs a five-year extension with the Baltimore Ravens. Again, the other big quarterback storyline we've been following all offseason happened earlier this week. $260 million total with $185 million guaranteed. The Ravens also signed OBJ to a one-year deal, $15 million with 13, over $13.5 million guaranteed. So just the two big pieces of news that happened for the, the draft. Relevant because obviously if we're talking about fantasy players and what's going on this season, we want to know what's going on with the Ravens quarterback situation for Rashad Bateman, OBJ is there, and then any players they added. And then same thing with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets and all that. But let's move on to the draft, Rich. I watched the Pat McAfee version of the draft this year. I don't know what you were. I know you were a little busy during the yeah, I, I beginning caught, of the draft. I caught the NFL Network, uh, NFL Network's broadcast. A lot of interesting stuff happened during this draft. A lot of interesting stuff during the first round. Where do you want to begin with this? Do we want to begin with the positive place? People that land in good spots. Do we want to begin with place landing in bad spots. Do you want to just go through round by round or kind of your major takeaways of what happened as you're um, watching the first round? Let's go with positive landing spots. We'll start there. All right. Then we'll, we'll start quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Whatever you, uh, whoever you want to start with. Okay. So I had two quarterbacks that I thought landed in. Good places. One being um, Anthony Richardson. I thought that was a great spot for him. Um, he's got Shane Steichen, his head coach, who has experience uh, previously with Jalen Hurts. He knows how uh, a quarterback like Richardson wants to operate 
and we'll build an offense uh, best suited around his abilities. Um, I think the Colts also learned their lesson about protecting the quarterback uh, with Andrew Luck. So I think he's going to be given all the opportunities. Plus, you know, you got two um, legit uh, receiving options with Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. Um, they added Josh Downs, too. Um, I don't know, was that like the fourth round? Yes. Um, or th- Third, third round. Third round? Third round, yep. Third round, yep. So he, he's got pass-catching options. Um, you, we, you know how many tight ends they have there because they love their tight ends. Um, so I, I just think Richardson's in a good spot um, to succeed. They say he's going to start uh, right away, so we'll see. Um, the second quarterback, um, surprisingly, is the one I have been crapping all over. I think Will Levis landed in a great spot. I know he didn't get the first-round capital that – the majority of people anticipated but Landon um, in Tennessee I thought was a good spot for him he can uh, learn behind Tannehill Um, he has a team that's committed to the run so he won't necessarily be asked to do a ton Um, you know the the receiving options are a little suspect but I don't expect him to play much this year anyway but for the long term I think that's a good spot for him to to grow and to succeed I I think it could have been a lot worse for him landing spot wise so that's good for him, like NFL wise. Yeah, for fantasy, I don't know. I just, you know, I was gonna say that's so. Part of the problem is, you know, with Mike Vrabel, the, his time being there as the head coach, what they've done essentially is, you know, very run heavy scheme with Derrick Henry. But the bottom line is, Derrick Henry's gonna be thirty this season. Will Levis isn't gonna play this season, so the biggest of it, you know, when Will Levis starts next year or the year after that, like Derrick Henry's not gonna be there carrying the team. Oh, believe me, I'm not targeting him for fantasy. I'm just I thought he landed in a good spot for him. For him, okay. Yeah. So that's what I was just talking about from a fantasy perspective, because then I just get concerned with then you gotta to transition to the new quarterback. How long does Mike Vrabel have with the new quarterback, especially if they don't have a running back like Derrick Henry to carry the load, and then like does he get end up with a new head coach, you know, his fourth year in the league after, you know, sitting out his rookie year, then he has two years of Vrabel where there's not really much that happens. And, like, there's not, like you said, there's not, I was, that's something we can come back to later with the Titans. Is that, this was one of my surprises. I, they didn't really add anything for, you know, whoever their quarterback's going to be. Yeah, um, wide receivers are a little uh, meh, you know? No, yeah, so they added Colton Dow. And you're good. Colton Dow in, you know, the, was that the sixth round, I believe it was? And then uh, they added Tajay Spears to the running back group after you know having a son Haskins last year. But I heard this. I was I I had <laughs> I had two broadcasts for the game on. I was kind of going back and forth between the two of them to hear different bits of information. So Adam Schefter said during the uh, broadcast that Tajay Spears. I, I sent this message to you and Mike. He has no ACL in one of his knees, and I believe it was a. Uh, mass cartilage loss or something like that basically no cartilage and no acl in one knee in addition to having arthritis yikes just a flesh wound being behind and he's behind Derek. it's like i he was a smaller guy to begin with and now you hear about that and it's like i i that you know what does that really do for the yeah. offense how does that help Tannehill or will levis whoever's going to be there and they added josh Weil at tight end but yeah the wide receivers at this moment we're looking at Traylon burks nick westbrook akine and kyle phillips that's where we're at. That's where you were at last year, too. Yeah, that, not yeah, great. I, not great. So it's just, it was surprising me because you got these other teams in here that are making moves. You, you know, the Texans picked C.J. Stroud at number two, you know, after convincing everybody that they weren't going to go quarterback at number 10, that their guy was Bryce Harper, or I'm sorry, Bryce Young, and they weren't interested in any other quarterback other than Bryce Young, and they would go defensive player if Bryce Young wasn't there. And, I did, like, apparently that was a huge smokescreen to check the Panthers in a draft in Bryce Young so they could take C.J. Stroud. And then they trade back up to three to grab Will Anderson on defense and get essentially their quarterback on the defensive side, grab two players, and then they come back later on. I mean, they added... What's it? They had Tank Dell then in the third round. They come back and grab Zayvon Hutcherson a few rounds later to add two more pass catchers on there. You've got Nico Collins. You've got John Mechie there, who was a first-round pick last year, who reports say are healthy and he's expected to play and he's good to go for this season. So he'll be available for you this season. In addition to that, and just it, you know, then you got Colts drafting Anthony Richardson. You have the Jaguars who made the playoffs last year. It just seems like every other team in the division's on the up, and the Titans just kind of sat there and sat pat and then grabbed Will Levis to eventually take over for Tannehill. But they didn't really bring anything in for Will Levis at the moment. So, like, 
you know, Will Levis is going to be enter is going to have a, what looks like it'll probably be a redshirt freshman year or rookie season unless Tannehill gets banged up. And then when he comes and he starts next year, he's going to what have rookies or something to throw to. And you know, in his first year as a starter, it'll be his second year, but he'll yeah, have a bunch like, of rookie players. He can to, make a trade, sign a free agent, you know. So that was a surprise to me with the Titans, but uh, something did happen during the draft, and I'm going to transition because your no, your first guy to talk about was your Levis, and then it was uh, Anthony Richardson landing mm-hmm. with the Colts. We knew, I I kind of went over that whole division, then kind of skipped over him, forgetting that you had mentioned him. But yeah, just like you said, Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce added Josh Downs. They did add Evan Holt, running back, and Will Mallory at tight end. So still adding playmakers. They were a little later on in the draft. But it never hurts to add some depth and some young depth there with some of your other guys. You know, is that the word that Anthony Richardson is going to be starting the season? I saw a report. Not that, even uh, Minshew and, until. I saw a report that he was going to start. It came from Ursay. So, I mean, who knows? Is the mentality, I guess, the opposite of the Trey Lance mentality where it's like, hey, the guy doesn't have experience. You know what we need to do? We need to get him experience and put him on the field, not sit him for a season. Could be. So maybe that's what they're yeah maybe that's part of what it is. I was an advocate for that <laughs> with Trey Lance. We'll see what's going on with Trey Lance, who supposedly will be traded. But like you said, we need they just really their offensive line needs to figure it out. Their offensive line, yeah. it's just so weird how that much that fluctuated from what it did in 2021 to what it did last year in 2022. And if they could even just settle in the middle of those two outcomes of what they did, this will be a decent football team. So the guys, the situation I want to switch to is I'm going to tackle two spots here because I'm going to tackle a good spot and a bad landing spot because they're related to something we've talked about on the show before. And this was something that I had said. I'm pretty sure I said it on the last episode, but I know I had mentioned it before previously and at least, uh, you know, another episode besides that one. I might have said this in three different episodes talking about what I was going to do with our second overall pick in the Dynasty League. And I had said that I was almost certainly taking... Zach Charbonnet, the running back there, because I didn't want Gibbs because he was a little undersized for me. I already had the DeAndre Swift experience, so I wasn't really looking to get into that again. And I said, the only way I don't take Zach Charbonnet is if he goes to an offense that is not great for him, where he's going to be in a timeshare and have to split times, like the Patriots with Ramondre Stevenson or something like that. And then I said, then I would pivot to one of the receivers, and depending on where one of those receivers goes, either Quentin Johnson or JSN, I would decide which player that I liked. I was like, my nightmare scenario you know, was something where it's like JSN and Zach Charbonnet both end up on the Patriots, and I don't want anything to do with either one of them. But I had said something that I was hoping for, and I've saved this clip. I put it aside somewhere. I'm going to drop it in here right now. I just honestly, at this point, you know, Keenan Allen's the older one. I imagine he'd be going, but even still, he's getting injured. He's never really finished more than around like a top 12 wide receiver. Mike Williams, I'm not confident in coming and taking that number one role. I think they'll take a wide receiver in the first round of the draft. They've got a... Yeah, I think they're going to take one this year, too. Yeah, they've got the 21st pick overall, and then the 54 and 85, those are their top 100 picks. My hope, my hope is that they take Quentin Johnson with their pick, and then I can draft him with the second overall pick as the wide receiver. Okay. There we go. I had said that I was hoping that the Los Angeles Chargers would draft... Quentin Johnson and have him on the team because I expect at least one of Mike Williams or Keenan Allen to be gone next year, if not both of them, because of the way, one, their age, two, the way their salaries or their contracts are structured, where they only have this year and next year left on their deals and their salary cap hikes up next year. So Quentin Johnson goes to Los Angeles Chargers. He's a first round pick. He's taken with the 22nd overall pick, I believe it was, if I am not mistaken. 21st overall pick, I apologize. I thought it was a little bit. So, yeah, JS, we'll go. JSN goes to Seattle at 20. There's a run on wide receivers right there. The next four, Those four picks are all wide receivers. Quentin Johnson goes to the Chargers at 21. You spend a first-round pick on a wide receiver, you typically give that guy a lot of chances, especially if you have some aging veterans on their way out. I This is one of those things where Quentin Johnson could end up being the wide receiver one for Justin Herbert for the foreseeable future if everything all works out. So the upside is there. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the athletic ability. Again, the real question was about his hands. I Again, I, I put a lot of that on what I saw from the quarterback and a lot of the throws not being particularly great and being ahead of him. The Chargers did do a favor. They did bring Max Dugan into their facility with them. They drafted Max Dugan, so they brought him in to explain himself. That's why they drafted him. So he's on the Chargers as well. I guess they just really like that TCU team. So, Quentin Johnson... Yeah, they took Darius Davis, too, in the fourth wide receiver, TCU. 
They just like TCU, huh? Darius Davis is a smaller guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they just like that TCU team, I guess, for whatever reason. May, and so Quentin Johnson is essentially, I've told you guys, right, this, that's the 102 pick at this point because the alternative guy I was going to take, Zach Charbonnet, goes to the Seattle Seahawks in the second round. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 And for anyone who doesn't understand why that's a bad thing for Zach Charbonnet, it's because the Seattle Seahawks took Kenneth Walker in the second round last year. And Kenneth Walker was a top, depending on your league, was a top five pick in Dynasty yeah, Leagues last year. There's, I see a lot of um, hope that the situation can be similar to the Carolina Panthers back in the day with D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, where they were both fantasy relevant. I don't know if I buy it, but that's that's the narrative going around. A uh, bit of copium, you know? I fart in your general direction. It's just really hard to have two fantasy-relevant running backs in a backfield. It, it and, is. I, I think it's more of a knock on Charbonnet than it is a knock to Walker. Well, what just it, it concerns me that it's more of a 60-40 split, even if Walker is still the lead, as opposed to Walker having like an 80%. Yeah, I, I just mean so in the sense that, like, now a guy that was getting talked about is potentially, you know, the R, you know the RB2 or RB3 of the class, and being a a high first-round draft pick is probably, you know, falling to the later half of the first round, so the prospect takes a hit because of the landing spot, you know? Yes, I absolutely agree. What about, do you think it's possible that maybe, I know it wasn't necessarily, like, he wasn't bad at it last year, but do you think it's possible that maybe... No, it wouldn't even make any sense. I was going to say, Zach Charbonnet is a really good receiving back, so maybe they bring him in to be kind of the receiving back, but, like, doesn't really. Make, he's not, like, the receiving back profile, you know what I mean? He's just a good receiver who plays the running back position, and had, yeah. but is built like an actual running back, though. So, like, that's what is disappointing. He had the combination of all the size and all that to be successful, but yeah. it yeah. really... It, it just... It really lowers Kenneth Walker's value as well as it far does. as what you were it's, expecting. Like it, this was a guy who you could have thought could have been a top five running back this season if he didn't have a significant competition like that at it. Like if they take a running back in the you know, in the third or fourth round, even depending on who it was, you're not that too you're not too concerned about it. But this is just like how can you confidently take Kenneth Walker to be your starting running back knowing that they literally just added another second round running back this year behind him? Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's terrible for fantasy football, but it's a very smart move for real football. You know, what Seattle was running out behind Kenneth Walker last year was not it in the backup running back position, and, you know, they needed to address it. And they did, um, you know, to our dismay. And then, yeah. And then here's the other thing, though. I feel like they could have addressed this a little later, but the other thing, too, then, is they want to say, well, both these guys can be fantasy relevant. You just added Jackson Smith and Jigba to your wide receiving core. So you've got a wide receiving core consistent of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. How are you going to have... It's a lot of mouths to feed. That's what I mean. Even like if we if we want to say JSN won't be relevant as relevant this season, it'll still be Lockett and Metcalf. Like how are you going to feed two wide receivers and two running backs at the same time? It's just like the volume isn't there for that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't... Find me an offense where you can point to two running backs and two wide receivers, both finishing, you know, as top 15 guys, it's just like, or even top 20. Like, where do you want to set the bar at for this? Because I just, I don't, I don't envision it. It's, it's, it's difficult. Is this, like you said, this will be one of those things where I feel maybe Charbonnet is there for insurance, or maybe they truly go through a rotation the whole time. I just don't know, and I don't know that I can spend. I don't know that I can count on Kenneth Walker as my RB1 this season, which is very disappointing. Yeah. I'll have to go through and look at everything again because there's not a whole lot of spots where you feel great about this RB by themselves. But, I mean, there this might be one of those things where just because I don't know what the works share will be, I might go with an RB who I think maybe is a lesser talent on a team that's not as great but they don't have as much competition is now ahead of Kenneth Walker just purely off the fact that you're going to get more volume because you don't have anybody there stealing it from you. And then simultaneously, obviously, JSN going to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, it's rough, man. This is something I had talked about before where I, I felt like his ceiling could be capped at a 1B in an offense. And 
with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf there. Obviously, Lockett's older and he'll phase out eventually, but uh, like I don't see JSN taking over the wide receiver one spot from DK Metcalf. They can both produce. The, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks have shown us they can have two top 15 fantasy wide receivers, two top 20 fantasy wide receivers. They've done it for a while now, whether you know it's Lockett and Metcalf or Lockett and Baldwin or you know Baldwin and Curse, whoever it happened to have been. They've managed to have two fantasy-relevant wide receivers for quite some time now. So he can be a 1B. I just The chances of him finishing top 10 at the wide receiver position at any point don't seem like a real possibility to me. It's my concern with JSN. And that's why I go with Quentin Johnson, who, you know, I think Mike Williams is gone next season. Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen will work something out to stay around with the Chargers and be the aging veteran there. And Quentin Johnson, like a transition kind of like with the Cardinals where, you know, Larry Fitch transfers over to the, like a slot secondary role and they bring in somebody else to be the primary one receiver there. I think that's the role for Quentin Johnson, in which case he becomes a wide receiver one, you know, the 1A for a very high-powered offense. So that was my decision there on them. Uh, I've gone on for a little bit here now on these guys, so let's jump back to somebody that you like. Yeah, I'll stick with the running back position. Um, uh, Devin Achain going in the third round to the Miami Dolphins. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, I know as a guy we, we talked about having some, some size questions, um, but you talk about landing spot. <whistles> Giddy up, man. Like, let's go. It's, it's not a very – there's not a ton of competition in that running back room. Like, you know, they got Mostert. They brought Jeff Wilson back. Um, and they're solid running backs. But the explosiveness of Chain can beat them out. I think it's, it's a guy we're going to be looking at who's going to um, significantly rise up the draft boards because of his landing spot. I can't be the only one who's excited about the, where, he, where he landed, where he was drafted. Not a single one of the running backs in Miami Dolphins concerns me as far as being major competition for Devin Achain. My concern, I still don't know. I still don't know if I'm ready to spend a first round pick. Put it that way. But I'm able to get him in the second. I'm 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 intrigued. But you know the size concerns are legit. I was going to say, he could just be another back in the rotation of constantly banged up backs that the Miami Dolphins are collecting back there. He could. So it's a good landing spot. There's opportunity. It's just a matter of whether or not he can seize it. I don't know. Like you said, I'm not willing to really to take that risk at that moment. Yeah. It's uh, hard. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of stuff you really want to take too much of a risk on here. Felt like a lot of the guys fell further than we thought they might. There yeah. are a few guys that landed in some good spots. Yeah, like, like like Chase Brown in the fifth. He's got a good spot, but the draft capital's not great. You, was, you know, he went same round as or did Pierce go in the fourth last year? Pierce, I believe, was a fourth round okay. pick. But so even still, I was banging the drum that Pierce might get replaced in the fourth. So I, I'm, I don't know if I'm buying that Chase Brown's going to replace Joe Mixon narrative. I think it may be a uh, he may be brought in to supplement. Well, the question is if Joe Mixon's even on this team this upcoming season. That's there's the been question. a lot of talk about that going on for a while, and now there's also been the thing where there's been a charge that's been refiled against him where it's some sort of domestic dispute. I don't remember exactly what it is. I don't want to say anything that's incorrect. Some sort of domestic squabble, I believe, involving him and a a mother of his child or something, uh, a, fe- a female know. that he's in some sort of personal relationship with. Not 100%. Uh, I don't remember. It's been a while since I've had to think about it or talk about it. I just know because of that incident and because of some other things, it seems like Joe Mixon has been seems to have been on the outs some of the comments made even by zach taylor earlier on like remember there was a point where they uh, i think it was the combine or something where they asked zach taylor about t higgins and he went into like the soliloquy of why they love t higgins why they were going to keep him on the team and it was, they asked him about joe mixon he's just like yeah you know he's under contract so he's he's a member of our roster mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like well that's two very different ways to talk about two players on your team there so I just there, there's a couple free agents still left too. So even if they were to move on from Mixon, I'm I'm just not ready to buy into the narrative that that Chase Brown is going to be that guy in Cincinnati. But it's a great landing spot in terms of you know there's not much there. P Ryan left. Um, you know there's questions surrounding Mixon. So you want to talk about a, a great landing spot that's going to generate some buzz? That's it. I was going to say of the like running backs that went, he was one of the guys whose landing spots I actually liked. I had him mm-hmm. actually on my list of yeah. one of the better landing spots among the running backs, and that really has to do with how poorly the landing spots were for a lot of these yeah. running backs. Yeah. I mean, we've got I'm... Eric Gray going to the New York Giants behind 
Saquon Barkley. Not that we were really expecting much from Eric Gray or anything, but just, just an example. Yeah. Just the first name that I stole there. Israel Abanacanda, who we thought could have been a guy, goes to the Jets. Tank behind, Bigsby to the Jaguars. Behind um, ETN. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the two best things that kind of happened there were Bijan Robinson going to Atlanta Falcons in the first round. I know people are upset because, you know, oh, look how effective we were with Tyler Algier at the running back last year, and we didn't really need to spend, you know, the difference between what he'll, what Bijan will give us versus what Tyler Algier will give us because of how good our line is. And, all. and it's just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, your line was good last year. Remember when the Colts had a great line and Jonathan Taylor was going off? And then next year there's just something that wasn't clicking, and all of a sudden, like, you know, even despite his ta- talent, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great season for him. So I don't really care about the positional value or anything like that with the Bijan. You know, that's an NFL thing. Bijan Robinson going to Atlanta is a great landing spot for him fantasy-wise. There was a great sure. offensive line last They're year. They're going to run heavy. He's going to get a lot of volume. He's going to have five years of incredible productivity with the Atlanta Falcons. And then you want to move on for him because he will be worn out. The other running back that went in the first round, this was a little bit of a surprise in the draft. Jameer Gibbs goes yeah. to the Detroit Lions. Very surprising that early. Yep, we talked about this early. I mean, this is one of the – so the Lions executed a couple of trades here or – Go. While we're talking about the Lions and taking Jameer Gibbs, can I ask you a question? Yeah. All right. The Lions, before they traded back from six, they had the chance to take Bijan Robinson. So they know they're going to take a running back in the first. I, like, I don't understand it. They trade back to then take Gibbs at 12, who they probably could have even traded back again and got him a little bit later. And even he was surprised he went that early. He, he's quoted as saying, yeah, I thought I was going somewhere in the 20s. Like, so why not just sit at six and take Bijan if you want running back in the first? I... Maybe they thought Bichon would legitimately fall. Maybe they honestly thought the Falcons, Bears, and Eagles were all going to pass on Bichon Robinson. I'm which I didn't. Which scratching my head things. after it happened. I'm That's like, a, okay, you wanted to take a running back, but you could have you could have had the best one of the draft. That's what I mean. You look at that, and you're like, you're literally just moved behind the three most likely landing spots for Bichon in the first round. I was like, what other teams do you think would have been better fits? to have Bijan Robinson and that literally the three teams picking at 8, 9, and 10 and you're going to trade back to 12 and be behind them and expect to get him so you're not planning on it like you said because that uh, that's something that I don't even hear people talking about now like a lot of the critique was like taking a running back at 12 like you know there's mm-hmm. some talk about you know Bijan Robinson going at 8 people were criticizing because of the value even though they recognized he was the best prospect in the class Jameer Gibbs goes at 12 and you're sitting there like what are you doing you could have picked him at 18 you probably could have picked him later it's those the Lions' first four picks are weird because then they do have two second-round picks, and they grab Sam Laporta, and they grab another player who's not who's not a skilled player. So Will McDonald, he's a linebacker. Right. I mean, he was a first-round pick, mid-first. No, no, no. Not their linebacker. I don't think it was Will McDonald who was the linebacker. Will McDonald's an edge. Uh, or, uh, they had him listed as LB when I saw it. The... Uh, I, th- I feel like their linebacker they took in the first round was Campbell or something. Jack Campbell? Ah, oh, you're right. I, I'm, I'm getting confused. You're right. So Jack uh, Campbell's took the linebacker. Gibbs at 12, round. Jack Campbell at 18, Laporta at 34, Branch at 45. Branch. Okay, so that so that was the thing. It was Brian Branch that was the other guy. So Sam Laporta and Brian Branch were two guys that had first-round grades and people thought would go in the first round. They got him in the second. Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell were guys that people thought because of their positional mm-hmm. value probably should have gone in the second. So it's that thing where you ever seen the meme where like the teacher writes next to the person's answers like, I don't know how you used the wrong formula but got the right answer. That's like what the Lions yeah. did there. Where they got two first-round picks and two second-round picks. They just took them in the wrong right. rounds and somehow yeah. ended up with them. So I, the part that I guess, like, you know, all of that I was going to say kind of cancels out and gives it a wash. But then, like you said, then you have to think about the part with Bijan Robinson where why not just take Bijan at six then yeah. instead of trading back and then getting the second-best running back in the class. And a running back who's sub 200 pounds, and we had mentioned that before and what it means for running backs typically in the NFL level, and I just I feel like the Lions I just, want a running back who's sub 5'10 and sub 200 pounds but runs like he's 6'2", 220. I, I don't understand really? it. I don't know why they keep like, – and they celebrated this. They were ecstatic to get mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs because it meant they could get rid of DeAndre Swift, which they did, and traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll take him. So I'll take it for fantasy too because I'd <laughs> at that point, it, even having David Montgomery there, I was nervous about what There's was going to happen. another Georgia Bulldog with that had the collection. There you go. You got the uh, 
Wait, was Gibbs or was a uh, Swift was went to Georgia. I thought he went to Alabama. No, no, Swift was Georgia. Okay, interesting. Another bulldog. I just saw something that was like you know the Eagles really got Alabama's national championship offense on their offense. They took and they the, got Georgia's the offensive line. They took Steen from Alabama, so they got Dickerson, Steen, and um, who's the other? They had another guy too, I think. And you got Hurts, and you got uh, yeah. So. Uh, Smith, Devontae yeah, Smith, who went to Alabama. They, too. they take like, Alabama's <laughs> offense and Georgia's defense right. and make it an our NFL team. We'd love to see it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the Lions, uh, like you, I, again, just why wouldn't you take Bijan Robinson there? Right, like if you're gonna take, if you're set on taking a running back in round one, why not get the one that's way more highly rated, way more highly touted, like is the is the guy. I, they want a physical running back, and you picked a guy that was sub two hundred pounds, and now you're what? Are you going to ask him to do what Jamal Williams did? Are you going to ask him to dive through the you know the thing at the goal line thirty times this upcoming season? Through, just, like you know, you mentioned positional value. Running backs don't normally go in the first. Why don't you take the second best one? Yeah. I, I just I don't understand it. I, I, let's move on. Especially Moving when you on. feel like you could have got him probably yeah. at eighteen or maybe yeah. even a little later Moving than on. that. Moving on. <laughs> All right, so then a uh, another bad landing. Oh, we talked about earlier, Tank Bigsby going to... Uh, yeah, we mentioned him, yep. All right, so... so Jacksonville, he's back behind ETN. It's another potential running back prospect uh, similar in the, in the in the vein of Charbonnet, who you thought might get have the opportunity to get a backfield to himself eventually. Uh, it doesn't look likely um, until a second contract maybe or something happens to ETN. Yeah, ETN's a first round pick. Bigsby's a third round pick. What are the you know? Is he really going to overtake him? Well, the while only both there? the only um, holdout or the only, the only hope there is that ETN wasn't a Peterson guy. ETN was drafted prior to Doug Peterson getting there, so you, you know there is some okay. Maybe you can make that case, but I agree with you. I don't. I don't Necessarily think that Bigsby's going to beat ETN out, but that's another position too where, where we we mentioned. Um, why is the team escaping me? Uh, Seattle, um, where there was nobody really behind Kenneth Walker. It's kind of similar in that situation here with Jacksonville. I mean, they didn't have much behind ETN. Seattle also added Kenny McIntosh later on in the draft as well oh, wow. to the running back room. Well, who was a guy that we thought could have gone somewhere and maybe earned a starting role? Yeah, he his testing kind of knocked him, man. If yeah. he if he was a bit more athletic, he would have been with those mid round picks and those in those groups of guys. But his forty testing and some of his other stuff it really hurt him. Yeah, it just baffles me. And then you got Charbonnet and McIntosh there along with Kenneth Walker and they to address oh the room, man. There's not much, you know. There's not much there. Like with, with Jacksonville, they had Jamichael Hasty and then Snoop Connor behind. ETN and you know not not a knock to those guys like Jermichael Hasty was serviceable but you know you want to upgrade that that uh, your depth at that position so they bring in the Ernest Johnson you know they they bring in Tank Bigsby you know we'll see it's a shame we were hoping that maybe the Ernest would finally get a shot but it doesn't look likely now yeah the moves make sense from like an NFL standpoint yeah, as far as fantasy. having guys yeah from a fantasy standpoint it's we wanted kid, these guys yeah. to go to teams that needed a starting yeah. running back and why can't you take the backups like why can't you take Tajay Spears and Devin Achain to reinforce him, you know, and Eric Ray and have yeah. them back up guys that wouldn't. Yep. Another one we we had we didn't mention Kendra Miller. You know he got good New capital Orleans. in the third. Yeah, he goes to the Saints and then that's a crowded running back room now. You know to give a bit of context when Kamara was drafted there, he was he started the season third on the depth chart, so he also entered a crowded running back room. So it can be done. It's just like it's just it's more difficult. But I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a terrible spot for Miller because you know you got the potential legal stuff for Kamara, but it's not you know where he, he goes somewhere where he lands in Cincinnati and all of a sudden you're like whoa, okay. Imagine the Bengals take Miller in the third. We're talking a lot differently about that situation than Chase Brown in the fifth. You know. Yeah. So with how some of this played out and some of the other guys falling. Oh, the other guy I wanted to mention as far as not landing in a particularly great spot. So there was four first round wide receivers. And honestly, the only landing spot that I think was, or honestly, the, it kind of played out how I was saying or how I thought it would go. Where Quentin Johnson's the only one I see getting a chance to be a wide receiver one, like one A on a team with where he went. JSN goes to Seattle behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Zay Flowers goes to the Ravens. Actually, he could be the wide receiver one there. They've done that yeah. with Marquise Brown before. 
They it's did add OBJ. They have Rashad Bateman there, but Zay Flowers. I mean, that's a thirty-year-old OBJ, right? Like and Rashad Bateman who hasn't stayed on the field. But so here's my problem: there's a chance. He could be the one this year. I think this is a guy who could be easily replaced going forward. Yeah, I, I, this was a guy who, in addition to his size, remember we talked about this 10.3% drop rate for him, same thing as Quentin Johnson. Same th- You could say the same thing where the quarterback wasn't necessarily throwing a great ball, and that might have been part of it. But the Ravens also haven't been a particularly high-powered you know, offense, or, or at least throwing the ball-wise, yeah, I should there's say. There's hope with the new offensive coordinator. you know. And, but that's another thing. you got a new offensive coordinator, new wide receiver in OBJ, rookies a flowers like it's a lot to try to come together this season have any instant success and i don't know how long it maintains from season to season jordan addison goes to minnesota right after zay flowers so he'll be behind justin jefferson for yeah, the length of his I career don't, don't necessarily hate it right though. i mean he could be a very solid you know so a wide receiver too i mean there's not a ton of competition i mean you got jefferson and hawkinson and then Osborne, who came His on strong, went down. Osborne came on strong at the end of the year. Like I don't expect him to just roll over and give the job to Addison. He's he's gonna make him, he's gonna make him push for it. But the bottom know, line is Addison's a first round pick. Osborne was a third yeah. round pick a couple years and the ago. Bottom, but you know you're talking about he could walk in and be like you know the third pass catching option probably in in an offense that they're gonna want to throw the ball. Like, it, Right, so again, it's not a matter of he can't be fantasy use for real, but I think it goes back to what I was saying where I feel like his ceiling is capped at the 1B yeah. in this offense, which it is going to be. And the same thing for... We talked uh, about There's a lot of JSN. these guys just because of their, their you know physical profile. Yeah. But know? also the thing where if they could have gone to another team, there was a chance that maybe they could have been the wide receiver one there. Like, you know, that's just a little disappointing there as far as some of those guys going. But let's move on. To the position we didn't really talk about too much yet because it's not usually a lot of rookie relevance. The tight ends, I feel like we didn't mention a lot about them. We had Dalton Kincaid go in the first round of the Buffalo Bills who actually traded up to get him. This that, was after signing Dawson Knox to an extension. That is, you know, a great landing spot for Kincaid. We're not worried about Dawson Knox? They, they, they traded up for him, right? They went up and got him for a reason. I mean, I could see him being a slot, playing a lot of slot for Buffalo. And that's what I think I heard somebody else say, where they feel like he'll they feel better with him going in, you know, to sort of a slot role. They feel like you know that's not really where Gabe Davis goes. They and don't know if they want to throw Khalil Shakir out there to be why. And where's the competition coming from too for him in the slot? Right, like Shakir, like you mentioned, like Crowder's gone. Who do they still have? Like uh, there ain't much there. Yeah, those are the three guys that I have. I have Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Khalil Shakir, and then they add it Justin Shorter in the fifth round. So okay. not really any competition there no. or anything. Isaiah McKenzie is also gone. So yeah, there's a oh that's right. That's the other one I was forgetting. So, so who, who I missed. He's McKenzie's gone. As well, gone. Though, yep. so. so yeah. If yeah. if there was a chance for some a good chance for uh relevance in year one for a rookie tight end, that's a good shot there with Kincaid. Sam Laporta goes to Detroit. Michael Mayer goes to Las Vegas Raiders. We weren't particularly fond of. No, but it's a good spot for Mayer. They they could use a tight end, and you know they they on NFL Network. I, I don't know what they were they doing like comparisons on on Pat McAfee's drafts. Spectacular. No, yeah, none of but that, like, sometimes, stuff. but yeah, like it was more for comedy and stuff. They kept well, comparing. They had an off. They had a guy there who knows the offensive line. I forget okay. what his name was, and he was showing Shipley. offensive and defensive line. Shipley. Yes. Yeah. And so he knew what he was talking about there, and was giving player comparisons. Yeah, he to change. He was with things. the Bucks in twenty when they won. Okay, so that would explain why he was the one there doing that, and then. Uh, they had Debo Samuel on there doing a bit, a bit as well, and he would go through some of the wide receivers and things like that. But not a whole no. They didn't have okay. any professional on there actually doing a thing. They would you know they have what's his name doing the uh, the Mel Kiper impression, yeah. the Mad Mel thing, gotcha. where he would give some stuff that obviously he probably heard Mad Mel do. And honestly, I'm confused watching the show, but I'm thinking about it. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, when we were watching the clips and his mic was getting messed up, I don't know if his mic was actually getting messed up. Like and they weren't planning on it because when I listened to the first draft and I and Mel Kiper like mm-hmm. his mic has been giving him a lot of problems lately. So I honestly think that might have been another bit throughout yeah, the show uh, where they were making fun of the fact that Mel Kiper's mic is always cu- is always cutting in and out on the podcast. Oh man! <laughs> so they were really That's great. Ha- they yeah. were really hammering this stuff home. So but. yeah, the point I was getting to they they kept on NFL Network the broadcast they kept comparing Michael Mayer to Jason Witten, which I thought was interesting. I don't know. Okay. I'm glad to share that. I can see it. Doesn't do a whole lot for me fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about tight end eight. 
They, I mean, Wiggum was solid for a while. I feel like he the game was slightly stretch. different back then. Yeah, it was different. I mean, he was a whole thing. Tight ends which aren't is, as involved in their offense. It isn't necessarily anymore. a fair comparison. It's a comparison body to a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh... But we like Sam Laporta in Detroit. Uh, yeah, we know I mean, Jamison Williams will be suspended for the no. first six games. Only Amon Ross St. Brett. No. I mean, I just when Hawkinson was there, he was. It was the same. You couldn't count on it. You know, he was one week good, next week not good, and then they trade away Hawkinson. And I just don't know. They're I don't know. They really want to use their tight end too much. It could be different with Laporta. They did spend a second round pick on. I mean, then again, they did spend the eighth overall pick on Hawkinson years ago. So. <laughs> um who the hell knows? Nah, I'm gonna stay away from Detroit and, and their tight ends. Until, not really loving until they show me that they're gonna use them. Not really loving any other landing spots. I am confused by the Darnell Washington um, to the I, Pittsburgh Steelers when I, they have Pat Fryer move. Yeah, that's well. That's more for he's he's a very good t- all around tight end. I don't know if he's one that you're gonna like line out and say, "Yo, go be my mismatch and go catch passes." Okay, I th- could see a lot more twelve personnel in Pittsburgh, which I mean, I think that's that's great for. Kenny Pickett, I think it's great for Najee Harris. Um, they address the offensive line, and then Washington, he can block, man. So that's where I think his value really lies in being, you know, a red zone target and re- really being able to to maul a- at the point of attack. But now I'm actually excited a bit about um, Luke Musgrave landing in Green Bay. I think that's a pretty solid landing spot. Um, I think. Not necessarily this year, but maybe year two. I think he can beat out uh, Tunyon and um, eventually take over the tight end one role there. And he's a solid player. He had some trouble staying on the field, but when he's healthy and he's good, he can play. He's explosive. Does you have any concern at all that after using a second-round pick on Luke Musgrave that they used a third-round pick on Tucker Craft? Um, not really. Okay. I mean, it's, I'm just they addressed the the tight end they back gotta, to back rounds. Yeah, they they got to add to the room. Um, it's just to me, it was, Josiah DeGuar can uh, yeah, be rolled out there. Uh, yeah, that it's just Musgrave to me. Out of the two that they take, he's the one for fantasy purposes. I'm more excited about. I just feel uh, like you know, like you know, last year is like we grabbed Christian Watson in the second, then we'll come back at Romeo Dobbs on like the fourth or fifth or whatever it was, and grab Smart Torrey in the sixth or they seventh. They took like three wide then, receivers this year too. Yeah, then they take Jaden. So Jaden Reed. Uh, in the second, Dontavian Wicks in the fifth, and uh, Grant Dubose in the seventh. seventh. And then they also took Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft. This was after taking the three wide receivers we talked about last year. Yeah. I honestly feel like they're 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 just throwing crap at a wall and hoping something sticks. Same way, yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. instead of Instead of using your first round pick to grab the first wide receiver off the board, you know, making a non traditional move, like let's you know, let's just keep grabbing a bunch of later guys and hope eventually one of these things will hang out and be effective and useful. And I just, I don't. All right, then let's go to something we mentioned a little bit earlier, but just some veteran st- players whose stocks were down. We talked about this KJ Osborne. If yeah. they don't add somebody in the first or second round, KJ Osborne's the wide receiver two for the Vikings who have managed to produce two fantasy relevant wide receivers. We talked about this. Jordan Addison is there. I own K.J. Osborne. I'm not expecting K.J. Osborne to be fantasy useful this season. Honestly, I, the best hope for him now is he get, becomes a free agent, goes somewhere to a team that needs help at wide receiver. Yeah. So his stocks are down. Uh, a Denver wide receiver's stock is probably down with them taking a second-round pick well, on Marvin Jones which Jr. One? My guess would be one of the older guys. I don't. I can't confirm that. You know, again, there's still been talk about Judy or Sutton being traded leading up to the draft. Obviously, didn't happen. Yeah, they're not Peyton guys. You know, Sean Payton takes Mims and gets his guy, and could be Tim Patrick. Are you expecting? You know, Tim Patrick is almost thirty, coming back from a torn ACL, ACL to be. perform. Yeah. So I, I think it's more likely to be Patrick or Sutton who who uh, feels the effect. I feel like Patrick was probably if all three were healthy, Sutton. Judy and Patrick, I feel like Patrick was probably in the slot, which is where Mims will fall into. So we'll see. And then Sky Moore, with them taking Rasheed Rice in the second round, just another thing, like, I don't know, I don't think they invest another second-round pick at wide receiver if they had big plans for Sky Moore, and, you know, they're still talking up Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore. I mean, they lost Juju, so they needed to add a guy. Right. Uh, but but again, it's it's the same thing. It's like Kelsey and then who? 
It's like every week that's it could be a different guy. Well, that's why it stocks like, down. Where yeah. like if you, they don't spend like if you don't spend another second round pick, essentially equivalent draft capital to what you spent on Sky Moore, you can have the optimism with Sky Moore that like hey, you know it has to be somebody. Why wouldn't it be their second round yeah. pick? And it's like well now it could not be last year's second round pick because they have this year's second round pick. You know like just like different scenario that just knocks him down for. I, I don't think a breakout is likely for him. Uh, two players stocks up. Relevant for me, Nico Collins. Let's go. The Texans did not add any significant wide receiver competition. They took Tank Dell in the early third. Yes, okay. So five foot seven Tank Dell, who weighs like 165, is not a threat to Nico Collins. What do you mean? His me. name's Tank. He can't be that small. <laughs> Tank Dell is small. He can't be. His name's Tank. Rich, I'm gonna bring it up. Right I, I'm just, I, I believe you. I know he's small. I'm just, okay, I'm just messing say, around. You, I was like, just, you want to filibuster while I bring it name, up? His name's Tank, dude. Uh, Come the on. Other, here's the other thing about Tank Dell. Uh, he is seven months younger than Nico Collins. Okay. So Nico Collins going into what his fourth season in the NFL, third Something or fourth like season, yeah, third year. And Tank Dell is a rookie who's smaller, lighter framed, and is only seven months younger. So I, I'm just, I'm not concerned about Nico Collins. I think. I think he'll be the wide receiver one there. I'm not worried about Robert Woods. John Mechie is his only legitimate competition there as far as uh, who could be the wide receiver one. But I think John Mechie fills the slot yeah, role. he's no slouch. Mechie's and, nice. No, yeah, but I think he'll fill the slot role. And also, he's essentially a rookie because he didn't play it all last season because of what happened yeah. off the field. So it's just one of those things where you had mentioned it before, too, where, like, what if, the, you know, at, at 12, the Texans take a wide receiver? Well, and Nico Collins is, mm-hmm. you know, the second at best and maybe the third behind Mechie, who's also a first-round pick. But with I think no... he was a second round, I think. Huh? I think Mechie was a second-round pick. Was he? I think so, yeah. Okay. I Any, might have been missing, anywho. I might have been misremembering that. Whatever. Um, but so Nico Collins uh, stocks up for me. He'll be the wide receiver one on that team. They've got C.J. Stroud there. Hopefully they can build a connection going forward that'll be relevant. This is more for this is for dynasty, not not redraft so much. I don't rookie quarterbacks don't tend to produce consistent fantasy relevant wide receivers because they're still learning the you know the system and all that and still trying to figure out who their favorite target is. So this is more of a long term hope for dynasty, not so much of this season sort of thing. I might move Nico Collins up in my overall rankings though. I had him. I had him like wide receiver forty or something like that. He might get bumped up a few spots, but he's not crossing the the thirty threshold. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's just kind of where it is. And then uh, Samaj P. Ryan, the Broncos did not, in fact, add really any significant running back to that. Anybody? I think they added somebody late. Let me double check, make sure. No, the Broncos did not add anybody in the draft to the uh, nice. running back position, as far as I'm aware. So is that, is that accurate? Be, um, let me scroll through what I got. I don't remember seeing them take one. Right. We'll start, so we'll start late and see. There's still talk that the talk with Javante Williams is he could be ready for training camp. He could miss all of the season is essentially the two outcomes for Javante Williams everyone's talking about. I've talked about this before with the multiple yeah, ligament issue. They didn't? Yeah, they did I didn't not. think so. So, so Samaj P. Ryan will be that's the... That's good news. Depending on how you want to look at it, good news for P. Ryan or good news on Javante Williams? I'm looking at good news on P. Ryan again. Uh, just we we've, we've been over this. We don't need to rehash the conversation. Multiple ligament tear to the ACL in the season. It's gonna if he's ready for the start of the season, he'll be he'll get banged up. He'll miss some time. P. Ryan will be there. And most likely, P. Ryan will be in the committee with him for the duration of the season anyway. And anytime Javante Williams wins, P. Ryan will be the starter. So I do expect Javante Williams to miss several games this upcoming season. I expect P. Ryan to be again. This is a team with Melvin Gordon there. They were doing a heavy rotation. Yeah. So with Javante Williams coming off a multiple ligament tear to his, you know, ACL, MCL, and uh, P. P. L. C. I think was the other one. PCL. Post lateral. Uh, PCL. Corner. I think is what I don't think it was P. P. L. C. P. L. C. Is what I think it was. Post lateral corner. Is what I think it well, was the other thing, and I only remember that because I know it was ACL, MCL, and then I was like, the third one is not though; it doesn't follow mm-hmm. the same pattern with the CL. There's no, there is, there's, there's there is a PCL, a different, but the thing yeah. that he tore wasn't was different. The, yeah, it wasn't yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I view it as stocks up for P Ryan again. As we get closer to the season, you'll find out more about where Javante Williams is, but at the Again, at, at worst, Samaj P. Ryan is gone. There was a lot of talk that the Broncos would add somebody in the draft, and in which case P. Ryan's value really takes a hit. They didn't add anybody. So at worst, P. Ryan is the handcuff to Javante Williams, which had value when it was Melvin Gordon and should have value with Samaj P. Ryan there. 
surprises? Or do you have any uh, veteran players you can think of stocks up or stocks down? No, I actually had trouble when I was going through looking at it, like as far as like a fantasy aspect. There might be some teams that we look at it like just like on a whole. It's like, yeah, we, you know, I was just going to the surprises. Okay. I had one that was absolutely mind blowing to me. Um, that was that Sean Clifford was drafted in the fifth round, uh, quarterback um, out of Penn State, and he was drafted by the Green Bay Packers. I just I I'd caught a, a ton of Penn State games and just it never screamed NFL quarterback to me. Uh, maybe he's got a big brain and he's going to be good in the uh, in the quarterback room as a backup and getting the starter prepared and maybe that's the way. But I just playing ability and never screamed NFL quarterback to me. Maybe he had a really good S two. Maybe I don't know. You know, hey, who knows? That one was the just, one that stood out as the most like. I just think of that meme like, uh, like you know, like you know, C two, me two, R two D two don't matter. C J Stroud at two. <laughs> that's that's the meme that I see in my head whenever I just do like the C two test. I'm like, all right, whatever. It's like again, just the thing where it's like, well, when he was playing against Georgia, he was clearly like again. I don't think whatever test you're taking on that virtual reality headset is the same as reacting to something in real time. Uh, my surprise is the Seahawks. Yeah. Just, what do you... Thanks, See, Pete. The Seahawks. Pete Carroll said, fuck your fantasy team. Yeah. Pete Carroll does not give a shit about your fantasy team. That's what he said. He said, I'm going to take a wide receiver in the first round to go with the two that I have. I'm going to take a running back in the second round to go with my running second round running back from last year. And we're going to roll out with Geno Smith again. You guys can hope that he continues to produce like he did before. doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. And that's what we're going to do with our first two picks in the draft. And uh, screw you and your mama, they had, too. They had an extra pick, too. They had the one from the... Um, oh, right. They had the... From the Russell yeah, Wilson trade. They had the Denver, Broncos yeah. pick. Who they spent on a cornerback. Yeah. Who nobody was really expecting Seattle Seahawks took, to pick. Uh, I honestly uh, thought they were going right? to take Jalen. This dude threw off my... You know, there, there's competitions out there for, like, submitting, like, guesses for, like, the first ten picks and all that. And I entered one. I was like, that really screwed up everything. Because yeah. if I had predicted that, like, several other picks change... But like Jalen Carter going, uh, I, th- I had Jalen Carter going to them at five, and that throws it off because now the Eagles pick is definitely mm-hmm. wrong. And uh, whatever, what are you gonna do? That's the draft. It's crapshoot. Um, we talked about it earlier Gibbs twelve to Detroit. We don't need yeah. to get into that. And then uh, the Patriots. Uh, what are you doing? Do you guys want to? Do you, you want to win football games anymore? Hello. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. Are we good? Are we just like, yeah, we had that last, you know, 25-year run or whatever it was, 20-year run that we were on. We're good now. Like, we're just, you know, we're going to take whatever we're going to do. I don't understand what they're going to do with their first pick. Again, they were in a position to take the first wide receiver off the board if they felt like they uh, could have or should. I'm sorry. If they they should have taken a, a significant wide receiver to add. Right now, they are rolling out with uh, who we got here. We've got Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyquan Thornton, Devontae Parker, and then they added Kayshawn Butte and Demario Douglas in the sixth round of the NFL draft. So they didn't add any. I mean, they didn't add anything at running back. They didn't add anything at tight end. They got Hunter Henry, and Mike Gusecki. They added two sixth round wide receivers to a receiver core that could really need help. Apparently. Or something going on there with Mac Jones. Him and Bill Belichick don't get along. They don't like each other. I don't know. New England is constantly talked about as possibly getting rid of him, shipping him out of there. So, I mean, then you see this draft happen, and you're like, yeah, it really seems like they don't like that guy. Yeah, could be. Yeah, if there's smoke, there's fire, potentially. I mean, you just look what some of the other teams did with, like, even the Panthers getting ready for whatever rookie quarterback they drafted. They brought in Thielen, who's a veteran. They bought in DJ Chark, who ha- who's explosive and has some upside. And even if he's not their one, can still fill a role as like a downfield threat. They added a wide receiver in the second round in Jonathan Mingo. Uh, I mean, like, I just feel like they, you know, they brought in Miles Sanders. They might have overpaid for him a little bit, but uh, it just, it seems to me like there are certain teams that really try to put stuff around their quarterback to help them out. And there are other teams that are like, hey, you're going to sink or swim on your own. And I don't understand, like, you know, that might be the Patriot way. I think the Patriot worked because you had Tom Brady, who. I guess we're just on the same page and understood and all that. And it's one of those things where I think 
part of the problem now might not even be that, you know, you could have another quarterback that comes in the way Tom Brady had came into the league, but the problem is Bill Belichick's had 20 years of experience doing it with Tom Brady. He might not. It's one of those things where if you've ever worked in a job and you've seen sometimes your manager, the way he treats some of the newer employees or whatever, is just like, you know, no patience or kind of like belittling and everything. It's like, do you remember what it was like when you started out in that role, dude? Because like now the way you're treating it, it seems like you might have forgotten. So that might be part of the disconnect where Bill Belichick just can't. He's been doing something this way with Tom Brady for 20 years. It's gone on and advanced and... He's kind of built it up from there, and now like to have to start from scratch with some new guy and explain it all over again. He just might not be able to go back to that point and remember what it was like from there. And he's like, you know, his expectations have elevated significantly from what they were back mm-hmm. 20 years ago when he tried started doing this with Tom Brady. So that was a lot of a rant for not really a whole lot that nothing that happened relevant in the draft there essentially. Um. I think that's everything. Some players that I, I'm just going to mention that we didn't really get into, we're not going to go in two months, that I just I think landed in good spots or whatever that, that I was interested in and then went places. I like Jonathan Mingo going to Carolina, like you said. I do like Rasheed Rice going to Kansas City. He was a guy I had talked about earlier, and again, somebody's got to be the wide receiver one there eventually. Uh, running backs, I do like Roshan Johnson going to the Chicago Bears. You've got Khalil Herbert there, who's kind of a smaller, lighter guy. Deonta Foreman, you know, we'll see. We weren't really sure about that situation. I think Roshan Johnson could work his way into being the second guy in that rotation or maybe even the first guy, depending on how they want to use him. He's just a bigger, heavier bruiser of, of back than Khalil Herbert, I think. I don't know if you want to give Khalil Herbert... It, again, one of those things where we saw when David Montgomery was out and they used him, it was effective, but Montgomery came back and they immediately shifted away from him. It's like the same thing you talked about with Alexander Madison and the Vikings, where it's like, yeah, when he fills in in small bursts, he's good, but can he do it for the full season if you need to rely on him for it? So... Uh, I did uh, like that. I like Chase Brown going to Cincinnati. I don't know that Joe Mixon has a long future there. And that's really just kind of it. Just the final thoughts. Uh, Puka Nakua, the guy I mentioned before, going to Los Angeles Rams. Uh, one, one more. Uh, Jalen Hyatt to the Jets. I think it's or the Gi- the Giants. Excuse me. Is Hyatt to the Giants? Do I, I don't know how I feel about that. I just. How do we feel about adding a six slot rod receiver? I just if there's a spot. He was he's defined as more like a little bit more raw, needs to develop, and if there's a, a situation for him to land with a coach that can get that done, it's stable, and it's a wide open receiver room, and all he needs is a little bit of polish, and he 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 legitimately might surface as the number one option. Hey man, we got thirty years of slot receiving experience here yeah. in this room over here between these six yeah. players. Bring them all in, <laughs> shit. You gotta learn something from one of them. But yeah, no, I think that's a solid spot for him. Okay, and then how do we? We've talked about it a little bit. How do we feel about? I don't know if it stocks up or down for some of the other running backs that we had mentioned who had people join them, like Travis Etienne. I don't know if does Tank Bigsby drastically affect Travis Etienne? I don't Etienne, necessarily think so. Because or are we just more disappointed in the rookie. Yeah, more disappointed for the rookie. It's just Bigsby doesn't have the greatest um, pass catching profile. I don't know if he eats in the network for, for of Etienne. So I just. Like you said, 60-40 split, just enough to, you know, nag you for the starter and enough to really not be all that fantasy relevant for the backup. And where do we come out on the what happened with the trade with the Eagles? Now we've got Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery in Detroit. We imagine with the first-round pick and the excitement about it that they're going to give Jameer. How do you make Jameer Gibbs the first down back? Over David Montgomery. I don't know. They're, they're gonna. That's gonna be a full blown committee. Same thing with the Eagles. Both teams. That's. There's no way that. They're not gonna still use Gamewell. The Eagles. They're gonna use Swift. They're gonna use Penny. They're, it's gonna be a full blown rotation that you don't want any part of. See, my my thing is, I think that maybe. It'll be Penny and Swift as the two guys there at the top. He liked Gamewell, and he was strong at the end of last season. Yeah, but that's one of those things where I don't, I don't know why they would have traded for Swift then if they're going to use game because my problem is like, Depth. so DeAndre Swift has more catches in any one season than Rashad Penny has targets over his career. Now this just popped into my head with Quez Watkins being a, a rather weak wide receiver three. Is there a potential you see DeAndre Swift in the slot? They could go with two running backs uh, situations mm-hmm. out there where they have both Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift out there, so you don't know 
what necessarily you're going to do with them, and then you rotate Gainwell in behind them. But So, again, the problem is, like, if you're looking at the three running backs, I think the odd man out would end up being Rashad Penny because he doesn't really offer anything in the passing game. Like, I think he has... He doesn't, but he has that tough runner, you know, get you short yardage type of profile. He's a bigger body guy. So, naturally, he might be the short yardage goal line dude. So, but that's what I mean. And so then here's the problem with that with the Eagles, too, is they have Jalen Hurts, who, you know, how many Mm -hmm. times last year when they were on the goal line, they do that play that the rest of the league wants banned from the NFL. So I don't think we can count on him to be like Jamal Williams where he falls in the end zone 15 times. And honestly, I think the rest of the way there, like, I honestly think Rashad Penny may just very well be like that, like a third and short situational back. Mm -hmm. And the other two guys are basically Gainwell and Swift are in there rotating the entire rest of the time like doesn't matter anywhere between you know anywhere in between forget the 20s it's anywhere in between you know the uh essentially the five from five yard line to five yard line we're going to use these two guys because they're more explosive they're more diverse we can use them in the run or the pass game yeah essentially like i just thought that the swift penny combination would make sense if you're trying to go back to like again what the eagles did in the year they went to the super bowl with uh legarrett blunt and um Boston, was it Boston Scott? No, uh, J.H.I.E. But the thing with, they were bigger guys, you know? Swift well, and Gainwell aren't. I But that's what I'm saying. I thought the combination would be Penny and Swift, and Penny mm-hmm. would be the bigger bruiser back in between, and Swift would be the pass-catching back who comes out there because he's explosive and has those plays. So yeah. that's what I was just trying yeah. to see with the situation. I do... I do think ultimately his stock's up for DeAndre Swift because he at least has a chance there to be the 1A in the situation. He's got a chance to actually get the ball and be on the field. Yeah. Detroit didn't want to use him. so. And then vice versa. I don't know how much David Montgomery's stock moves one way or the other, and I don't. I just don't know what to do with Jameer Gibbs. I, yeah. Might have been better landing spots for him. I don't even know if it's that. I don't know if the competition Montgomery nerves me. I just... I, how can you put him out there on first down over David Montgomery? And then so, like, what, do you have David Montgomery go out on first down every time and then rotate him out and bring Jameer Gibbs in for second and third down every oh. series that happens? And, you know, Jameer Gibbs, then technically David Montgomery is the starter, but Jameer Gibbs, I just, I, it's, yeah, a, it's a confusing situation. It remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll get some ideas in training camp. And, yeah, I think that's a good place to end there. We'll come back once we have more information when things start shifting out. But this was just kind of give – Everybody just kind of an opinion of what's going on. Again, people are going to be doing mock drafts start Monday. I'm going to try to produce and get this out Monday morning so people can actually listen to it beforehand, get kind of a feel for it. Has anything shifted drastically as far as rookie drafts then for you since that's the main takeaway from this? So, like, Bijan Robinson obviously in 1QB is still 1. In Superflex, has any of the quarterbacks' landing spots changed and decided I'll take this quarterback over Bijan Robinson? Um, oh, you're taking Anthony Richardson over B. John Robinson. No, nah, so, so in Superflex, it's a good thing he asked this. In one quarterback leagues, I would take Richardson QB1. I'm not saying I would take him 101 or wherever, but he would be the first quarterback off the board. Okay. In Superflex, I'm taking Bryce Young. I'm not, again, depending on your team situation and everything like that, you, you could take B. John 1, that's fine. You take Bryce Young 1, okay, cool. But I'm not taking Richardson over Young in Superflex. And I know you want to hit for, you know, upside, and maybe you do. Maybe you have one good quarterback already and you want to take that risk on upside. But in terms of safe and you need a quarterback that can bomb the take Young. You probably should. And then, so I guess my question then too is like with the skill position players, we had talked about this before. Like I don't a lot of the skill position players, I feel like, fell because of their landing spots. So now if we're doing a super flex league, let's say, you know, the first two picks are B. John Robinson, C.J. Stroud, whatever order. We're looking at the next three picks. Is there any chance that they're not the next three quarterbacks on the board? Is it not going to be – or oh, well, we got Will Levis we can debate. But So yeah, Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud, are they not they picks sh- three and four they in should the super be. flex? They should be. And then, you know, maybe Gibbs. If you want to make that, or maybe you know JSN, and then you start getting into the wide receivers, potentially Charbonnet, if you know you like that, and Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnston, you know you start getting to the back end of the first. You're looking at Kendry Miller, um, Dalton Kincaid, um, back end first, early second. You start looking for Levis. Um, 
with a a one quarterback league then do any other quarter do any quarterbacks make it into the first round i know you said you would you talked about taking out the Richardson with the 110 yeah, but yeah, just I'm like still plan to do that okay so it's just dependent on just like my situation allows it normally now if my wide receiver room what allows me what what allows me the situation at 110 i'm looking at either getting like the second group of running backs or like the scraps and leftovers of the first group of wide receivers right now if my wide receiver group was a bit older and was getting ready to age out, I may look at taking a wide receiver. But being as I was looking, I got a, a couple guys that are 26. I got Cooper Cups approaching 30, but everybody else is 25 or 26, and I could take a shot on on Richardson's upside. And you know, you can make that argument if anybody else is in that same situation, or you know, they're sitting there at the back half of the the back end of the first round, like 110 or 112 if you're in a 12 team league, and you know, you're set at your other positions and why not take the risk? Or you don't like the other prospects that are there. They have questions. You're staring at maybe, you know, a, a Tank Dell available or like a uh, the back end of Zay Flowers or, you know, um, who else? Smaller running back. Like a Tank Bigsby might be there. So that's kind or, of what I was saying. Like, like, and you're like, you start weighing the options and you're like, yeah, I don't necessarily like You can make that case to me. I wouldn't fault you for it because you're shooting for He has legit league winning upside. Like he could be... You know, that that rushing floor is serious, and I guess that's what I was trying to figure is as, as in regards to the skill position players. Like Bijan, obviously, is still a first round pick. Uh, Jameer Gibbs still a first round pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he gets uh, JSN, the twelfth round. Qu- JSN, Quentin Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jay, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. Yeah, yeah. In a one quarterback league, are you taking any of those quarterbacks above any of the guys that I just mentioned there? Bijan, Gibbs, and then the four wide receivers in the first round. No. No, so the top six picks are still those skill guys. Yeah, and then even like, after I'm, that, do we have? I still may take Charbonnet. I still may take Kendry Miller. I still may take. Um, yeah. You can make a case Mingo. for for Mingo. You can make a case for Achain. You can make a case. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Kincaid. Um, Slipping a tight end up there. Okay. But that's what I mean. You get there, and it's like, yeah, you've got three guys, maybe that like, you feel yeah, like you might outside take, so. of that top six, maybe seven or eight. If you want to throw in Charbonnet and Kincaid, um, then anybody after that, you can start to really, you know, maybe you throw Miller in there too, get it up to nine somewhere around there. About like pick ten, eleven, twelve, you start to. That's when you could start making that, making that move for a quarterback. Okay. And that's just what I want to find out. And again, that's just that's not like uniform every year. It's just off of this. You know, Richardson's got that that upside that you you want to chase in fantasy. Gotcha. And that's why I was just again trying to get a relative understanding for how like the landing spots might have affected players. And like I don't know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it dra- affected that drastically. I think several of the guys you mentioned they were still guys you imagined to be first round picks. There's just other guys we thought could have been grouped up there with them that aren't like you know like. Uh, Josh Downs or uh, Marvin Mims, who went to teams where they're you know behind several other pass catchers, and there's a possibility they could have gone somewhere and had more fantasy relevance. So like they're not in the same group anymore. And the running backs more essentially is what we're looking at. You know, with Tank Bigsby, Rashawn Johnson, Chase Brown, all going when and where they did, it kind of lessens the amount of guys that we could have had in that group and makes it a little bit clearer as to values of where you want to draft guys. Uh, all right, so I think that's everything we wanted to get through today. We are going to wrap it up here. Be sure to follow us on on Twitter at Fantasy Oddballs. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your audio podcasts. But until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. I'm Rich Out. Peace out.